Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. I hope everyone had a tremendous day today. And if not, I hope things change from here on out. Um, If you could open up the book of life to chapter 19 of Acts. Acts chapter 19. And we're going to pick up on verse 21. Acts 19, verse 20, uh, beginning with verse 21. The title of tonight's message is The Purpose of God. And uh, if you were here last time, we ended on verse 20 where it says, So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And that word prevailed means it proved more powerful than any opposing force. It proved more powerful than any opposing force. Think of Ephesians 6, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places. So, every day, without fail, we are in a battle. Mental, spiritual, Physical, any one of those, or all three combined. And it's very important to understand that nothing comes our way without God's permission. And in that, there is His purpose. And the thing that you and I need to always look for and ask God to reveal is what, dear God, is your purpose in what I'm going through this moment, this day, this week, this year, this lifetime. Because God has a purpose. And we saw in the previous chapters that everything that took place, if you're here last time, we saw the demonic possession. We saw miracles being uh, happening all over the place. But the main miracle that happened was repentance that led to salvation and the miracle of lives being changed for eternity. If you are a believer here today, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a miracle child. You have, God has opened up your eyes. He is changing your life moment by moment. That's called sanctification. It's in 24-7, 365. Whether you know it's happening or not, God's purpose is to continue to set you apart as His son or His daughter. So let's look at Acts chapter 19, beginning with uh, verse 21. And if 
Um, you could put up the map and leave it up there as long as you can unless you have to put up some verses, but that would be great. So verse 21, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Ahia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Okay, if you look up at the map, if you remember, or if you just joined us, here in Jerusalem, there was where Paul started. He went up to Antioch. And right now, he is over here in Ephesus. This is where the, the teaching is tonight, but you'll hear of Achaia being talked about and also Macedonia, which is right here. And we just read where Paul one day wants to go to Rome. So you can see this is a tremendous distance. And Ephesus is an area that Paul is right now. And he's going to be here three years. It's the longest area where he stays in all his, of all his three missionary journeys. And this whole area right here, Ephesus, right around here, this whole are the seven churches. They're not listed up here, but the seven churches that we see in the book of Revelation, which Ephesus is one of those seven churches. And within 35 to 40 years after the writing of the book of Acts is when those churches are formed. And then we see them throughout Paul's letters, but we also see them in the book of Revelation. The first thing in verse 21, it says, Paul purposed in the Spirit. Now, if you remember back in Acts 16, verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the Word in Asia. Now this was one of Paul's previous missionary journeys. Paul purposed in his heart to go to Asia. But something has changed in his missionary journeys. This is his third missionary journey. So like you and me, we learn, don't we, from the things that we go through. And so does Paul. Now notice in verse 21, Paul purposed not in himself, not in others, not in circumstances, but he purposed not in his spirit, but it's a capital S, in the Holy Spirit. And that's what you and I need to do. That we might have a desire, we might have our will, but as the Scripture says, not our will, but His be done. Lord, I purpose in Your Spirit, I want to do what You want me to do. I want to go where You want me to go. Purposed. 
the word purpose or purpose, it's the reason something is done. When you look to God's purpose and what you do rather than your own purpose, you cannot go wrong. When do you go wrong? When you rely on yourself and your will and your purpose. God's thoughts are the most important, are most important. And when we line up with His thoughts and His will, this is the right way. Praying, staying in His Word, meeting with other Spirit-filled believers is the way to go. In Isaiah 14, 27, it says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? The answer to those two questions is, nobody. When God purposes it, it's purposed. Nobody can change it. That's why it's so important for you and I, right, to be lined up with His purpose and not butt in heads with our Creator. And how do you know His purpose? Well, you talk to God. You read His Word. You pray His Word. You don't just read it. You make His Word your own. He speaks to you through His Word. But Pastor Vinny, those words were written a couple thousand years ago. Yes. But... His Word is living and active. It's meant as well as for you as it was for Paul and his buddies. As it was for Moses and his family and friends. In Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And this is why we want to line up with the purposes of God. We want to be on the same page. You know, as a former coach in high school and college, it, to have your team lined up with your game plan and your focus was beautiful. But boy, coaching was hard when everybody wasn't on the same page. It's the same thing here. Now, two of the fellas that Paul mentions here are Timothy and Erastus. Erastus' name means beloved. Do you know that you and I are beloved in the Lord? He loves you so much. He knows you by name. He created you. He purposed you. Erastus was the public treasurer of Corinth. He was a very influential man. He was involved in ministry. He was a believer. And he did missionary work with Paul. Thus we see he's with Paul in Ephesus, even though he's from Corinth, which is across the water as you see up there. You see here also Timothy. I think more of you are more familiar with that name. Timothy. Timothy met, uh, Paul met Timothy during his second missionary journey to Lystra. If you remember Lystra, 
Lystra was up in this area here. With Derby and Lystra when Paul first started. So over on the over in the Galatia area. However, Timothy most likely knew Paul during his first missionary journey when Paul was preaching, when he was evangelizing. And Timothy might have very well got saved on Paul's first missionary journey. And then when Paul came through there again, he met Timothy. And Timothy was Paul's protege. Timothy is also mentioned as being with Paul when Paul wrote several New Testament letters. 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. So Timothy is mentioned in all those letters. Let's pick up on verse 23 of Acts 19. And about that time arose a great commotion about the way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipped. The temple of Diana was one of the seven wonders of the world. People flocked from all over that area of the map that you see over there, from Rome all the way over, they would come to the temple of Diana. They would sightsee. It was a huge business. It was a huge tourist business. Buying trinkets and statues of Diana. You've probably found this out, that whenever Jesus is mentioned something happens. Something takes place. There could be unity or division. Peace or commotion. Salvation or hardened hearts. When you just hear the name God, you might get some of those reactions, but usually not. But boy, say the name of Jesus. And sometimes all hell is stirred up and broken loose. You might have great examples or experiences with that. The name above all names being used. And it just goes to show that spiritual warfare is real. It is constant. And sometimes you see it as an individual, don't you? When things are happening around you and you're praying or you're 
worshiping Jesus or talking to them with a friend, a neighbor, a family member, and just some of the conflict, but also some of the peace and unity that it brings and salvation that comes to others through it. It's pretty awesome. So we see this guy, Demetrius. Demetrius. We see his heart is for the almighty dollar. We know that's his God. And he also uses sex as his God. Because in this temple, okay, we'll get to that in a second, but there were temple prostitutes. And thousands of prostitutes walked the streets of Ephesus, leading people to the temple. So just like today, money, sex, are people's gods. People worship these gods. They're idols. They're in the place of the Almighty God. The real God. They used... Demetrius used Diana as a reason here to try and get people upset so they wouldn't lose their income. He could care less about Diana. This false god, this false statue, these little trinkets he made were bringing money to him and his tradesmen. Notice, he uses the temple second. He gathers his union together all the silversmiths and those who have an occupation by selling these things to get them all stirred up because he didn't want to lose his, his money. We see right here a direct attack on Paul and his followers. But you know what? Indirectly, it's always an attack on our God. Always. It's always an attack on the God of the Bible when the people of God are attacked. And so it is so today. We see with the attacks, it always reveals human iniquity, transgressions, the sin nature, and people following their own way Instead of the way that was mentioned in verse 23. The way were those people who had received Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. That received Jesus as the Messiah. But whenever people don't have Jesus as their Messiah, they have something else. There's another God they follow. It could be themselves. It could be another philosophy. It could be things like money, sex, drugs, work, sports, anything. It doesn't have to be a bad thing they follow. They've just put it in the wrong place in their priority list. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. 
Now this was written back in the Old Testament. It's being applied here in the beginning of the church age. But it's also applicable, isn't it, today? There are churches that have statues of things on earth and things in heaven. Exodus 23 are two of the commandments that God is specifically saying, don't have any other gods before me. Once you have any god before me, even though they're not real, but they're man-made gods, you've sinned. You've fallen short of my perfect standard of putting me first. And then you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Yet people serve other gods. They bow down to other gods. That is sin. That is breaking the law of God. Repentance is necessary. There is only one God. And that is G- and we know him. His name is Jesus Christ. The second person of the Trinity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Today, and I think throughout history, the same goes. This tolerance for things. Tolerance is simply an indirect attack on God Himself. However, those same people who preach tolerance... They don't show any tolerance for people who pray, for people who read the Bible, for people who go to church, or people who name Jesus. There's an attack. Maybe on you. Maybe in your school or your workplace or your neighborhood. There's a direct attack. But remember, you're the direct attack, but who they're really attacking indirectly is Jesus. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, it doesn't say that money is the root of all kinds of evil, but the love, the love of money can distract you. It can become an idol from serving the living God. Now going back to the temple of Diana, as I said, thousands of prostitutes were in the employment of the temple. And they would essentially sell their bodies to draw people to the temple. It would generate revenue and promote worship of their false goddess. It says in those verses that I just read, her magnificence was threatened. But really, her magnificence was created by man's hands and his imagination. You know, they said that Zeus threw down this statue of Diana. That the gods threw it from the heavens and this is why it was so venerated. But it was an immoral, perverted statue that from man's imagination was created. It was pornographic. It 
She was also associated with an Asian goddess, Sibeli, uh, who was a prominent goddess of the region of Asia. She was also known as, and you'll be familiar with this name, Mother Earth. How many times have we heard Mother Earth in the last several years? An idol. Idol worshipped. Idols put ahead of God's creation, you and me. Let's dive into verse 28 of Acts 19. Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go in to the people, the disciples would not allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for about two hours, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. We have seen throughout Acts, we've also seen throughout our, our lifetime, chaos and the mob mentality. Think about all the fires and destruction and the looting during covid Think of the chaos that's still in our country today and in our world. Remember, God is not the author of confusion. So if there is confusion, whether it's back here in the days of Paul or today, understand that God does not author that. So if there's confusion, you can bet there is a spiritual principalities that are stirring up the pot to get everything crazy to get us to take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and His purpose for us. That's why it's so important that we're here together. That's why it's so important you do your daily devotion. That's why it's so important you keep reading God's Word. That's why it's so important you keep talking to Jesus. It is crucial for our survival as believers in Jesus Christ because the world will get more confused and more chaotic as we get closer and closer to meeting Jesus face to face. This is so crucial for us. You know, sometimes we go to church because it's tradition. Sometimes we go to church because we're down and out. But we should be going to church to hear God's Word, to fellowship with one another, to pray for each other, to talk to one another, to get to know each other. Because this is your family for eternity. Not for the... 20, 30, 40, 70, 80 years. This is forever. And God has put His Holy Spirit in you and me to interact with one another so we can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
The mob mentality. Think of when Jesus was being tried by Pontius Pilate and they got the crowd going. Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Or when Paul was holding the cloaks. At that time, his name was Saul before it was changed to Paul. He was holding the cloaks of the very rock throwers that were Stone and Stephen, the first martyr of the church. Just that mob mentality. Satan is the one who causes confusion. Look at the confusion in our world. In the United States, our universities, our high schools, and our elementary schools, it's chaos and confusion. Our world, like Ephesus, does not want to embrace and believe in Jesus. They don't want to embrace Jesus. They want to do their thing. They don't care about the purposes of God. They don't care about His way. They will embrace and believe in someone or something that takes Jesus' place as long as they get something temporary out of it. Because that's all it is, is temporary, isn't it? It's not going to last forever. Only God and His things last forever. People who don't have God living in them have to take their hatred and anger towards God, towards God out on someone. They choose God's people who follow the way instead of their way. But what does God tell you and I to do? Retaliate? Fight back? Get angry back? Hate back? No. He says to turn the other cheek. He tells us to pray for our enemies. To do good to those who persecute us. And when we obey God's Word and do that, guess what? Jesus, when you're obeying Him, is doing a work on that person that's coming with the hatred, the anger, the persecution. If people could, they would crucify Jesus over and over and over again. In Romans 6, beginning with verse 8, it says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I like that first verse, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, you know how you know if you still haven't totally died with Christ? Things bother you still when the world attacks you. And believe me, that sanctification process is our whole lifetime. Hopefully, if you've been a believer for any length of time, you can look back and see, boy, the Lord's really matured me. The way I would have reacted X amount of years ago or months ago, I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm I'm not trying not to do it. God is doing that work in me. I really am a new creature in Christ. 
People who hate Jesus come after His followers and punish and kill them because they can't hurt Jesus anymore. In John 15, 18, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated Me before it hated you. The mob sometimes does not know why or what they are doing. Their minds and their actions are being manipulated by the enemy. You know, sin nature rules. I think of it as a teacher of 44 years when there was a fight in the school hallway. All the kids would gather. They would just come. And kids would be running from down the hall and being on the outside of five or six rows deep, not even know what's going on. But they're like cheering. They don't even know what they're cheering for. They don't, can't even see who's in the fight. But they're caught up in that mob mentality. And this is what's happening in this stadium that these two followers of Paul are in. And remember, this stadium could hold 25,000 people. Was it full? Could have been. But wonder if there was only 10 or 15,000. That's a lot of people. Let's look at verse 35 of Acts 19. And when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is a temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus? Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For you have been brought, for you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give to account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Wow, what's going on here? I didn't mention in the last section that we read, Alexander, who was a Jew, tried to get up there and quiet the crowd. But once they knew he was a Jew, he was associated with Paul, and they went nuts. And for two hours, they said, Great is Diana. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is the Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. I just did that for about 15 seconds. Imagine me doing that for two hours. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. I think of a soccer game. You ever watch the World Cup or anything? And you hear that. There's like a humming in the crowd. And they do that for hours. But can you imagine here? They were so caught up in the cult of Diana that they were going nuts. And that's all they would say for two hours straight. But then, Alexander had no impact on the crowd, but this city clerk did. He was an official of the city. A public employee. Maybe even like a district attorney. Or a business administrator. He was one of the highest ranking civil officials but he wasn't appointed by the Romans. 
there's still a chance for order. Plus, this clerk knew if he didn't stop this disturbance, that Rome would come in. And if Rome came in, it would be disastrous for the free citizens of Ephesus. Remember, there's a lot of slaves, but there are free citizens who would have come under the authority of Rome. You probably heard of Pax Romana, but one of the things that stands for is peace or else. That if you didn't conform to Rome, they would kill you. The authority of Rome was top. It would stop any crime. But we know in our world that is not always the case. Sometimes the criminal dictates. And it isn't snuffed out right away. But this fellow, the city clerk, who we don't even know his name, used the laws to state his case. And the people knew they were right on the brink of going too far and they didn't want the Roman soldiers being called in to bring the peace of Rome into this beautiful area of Ephesus. But God's purpose, God's purpose showed grace on this situation. Once again, His hand was evident on this situation. Paul was being restrained by even the officials who he had made friends with. They didn't want Paul going in here. But Paul wanted to get in there. Why? Because he knew he had a captive audience. He knew he had fifteen to 25,000 people he could preach the good news to. He didn't care if he died. He was already left for dead a couple times already. And he knew he wouldn't leave this planet until God was ready to take him. And like I had mentioned at the beginning of the teaching tonight, Ephesus, 35 to 40 years later, helped to form all those other churches in the book of Revelation, those other seven churches. Ephesus was the capital of the area. There were so many things going on where we see so many believers coming to Christ that it stirred up that whole area. And John, in the book of Revelation, writes to the church in Ephesus. And remember what he said? You have left your first love. This is the time where they were falling in love with Jesus. They were changing that whole area. People were being converted. People weren't going to the temples anymore. People weren't doing magic and witchcraft anymore. Why? Because God changed their hearts. They were believing in the resurrected Christ. Just like you. Just like me. And Jesus is still in the heart changing business, isn't He? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank You for Your purpose in each of our lives. Sometimes we don't fully understand it. Sometimes we aren't sure. But we do trust You, Lord. And I pray for... I pray right now for anybody here or at home watching that if they don't know You as Lord and Savior Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. Today would be the day that they could start their journey with You. So if that's You, if You realize that You are a sinner, 
that you are following your own way instead of God's way, that you are following your own purpose instead of God's purpose, then just say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I have been doing my own thing. Thank you for speaking to my heart tonight. Lord, I just want to turn from my way and follow you. For I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through you. Dear Jesus, fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Give me purpose. Give me direction. Help me to understand. Help me to stay in your word. Help me to talk to you as to a friend. Help me to fellowship with other Spirit-filled Christians. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer and you're here, we'll give you a little uh, packet to get started in your walk with the Lord. And if you're at home, just call the number on the screen and we will get material out to you. But thank you everybody for coming out tonight. God bless you. Continue to walk in the uh, Spirit of the Lord. Why don't we rise and we'll praise God now. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.